Welcome to Unsigned Hype episode 6. On this episode, I have the pleasure to talk to the incredible producer Omoe Day from Chicago. What Omoe Day does can't really be put into words. You have to listen to his production style to really understand how special it is. And with that, also his incredible journey that he talks about in length in this interview. And of course, I asked Omoe Day which song he would play for someone that was not familiar with his music yet. He chose the song Love You that he produced together with Mordecai. And if you're not familiar with Omoe Day's music yet, Here's a snippet of that song before we jump into the interview. This is Unsigned Hype. The song you just heard is called Love You by Omoe Day featuring Mordecai. And I have the absolute pleasure to welcome Ray, aka Omoe Day, to the show today. Ray, why is Love You the song you would play for someone that has never heard your music before? Yeah, first of all, thank you again, Miles, for for reaching out to me, man. It's a pleasure to be on here. I picked Love You because I feel like it combines everything I love about making music and it kind of combines my entire background with just having like live drums, having this good churchy gospel sample. Uh, Also shout out to Mordecai for finding that sample in the first place and just a really good bass line. And I'm a sucker for bass lines. And when Mordecai sent me that sample, I immediately knew what to do with it. And when it came out of my head, it was like a perfect recreation of what I had in my head, which never, I'd say nine times out of 10, like what I have in my head doesn't come out exactly the way it does. And when you upload it to SoundCloud or something. So that's one of the rare times where I'm like, okay, it's done. It's good. I don't need to make any other changes to it. How How's that process usually like for you? So when you make a track, you mentioned having something in your head and you obviously wanting to make it sound exactly like you hear it in your own head, basically. You mentioned that this doesn't always happen. How is that process like of you trying to find your sound and putting your ideas into something that is audio, basically, and that people can hear? Yeah, that's that's a really good question because I think there are so many different ways that I just sit down and try to think of something. Usually I'm like in the shower or I'm like washing dishes or something and I'm just like beatboxing some like rhythm out. And then it'll come on another day during the week and I'm like, that's a pretty good melody. And then by the time I'm done with the work week, it's like Saturday morning or something or Sunday morning, I sit down, pull up Ableton, and then try to recreate what I have in my head. And I'm like, damn, this sounds like absolute trash now that I put it out there. <laughs> so it, to me at least, it doesn't happen as often as I think. And I think I have to be okay with that. Because from there, I start kind of experimenting with like other sounds And I'm like, okay, what if I just like tweak this sound a little bit? It doesn't sound the way that I want it to, but what if I add this note here? What if I change the chord here? And then it just 
turns into this completely different thing that I had thought of in the first place. And then I listened back to it, the entire thing, and I'm like, you know what? This isn't what I had in mind, but you know what? Yeah, this thing's a banger. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. 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 I want to maybe for a second take it back to the early beginnings because it's always interesting to me to understand where the artist found his or her passion. For you, it started on a PSP, I think, with first beats that you Bruh, made. How did you know um, that? <laughs> is, it, is that <laughs> Wait, true, right? what? Wait, um, no, nah, man. How did you know that? <laughs> yeah. It's, how, how do you get started making beats on a PSP? I didn't even Bruh, know a PSP could be used to make beats. That is crazy. You have an <laughs> FBI file on me or something. That's crazy. No, no, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I don't remember how long ago this was. And honestly, I had totally forgot that chapter in my life until you just brought it up. But 2000, I don't know, seven or eight, I hacked my PSP. So then when you can hack your PSP, you have like homebrew <laughs> apps that you can install. And uh, there was this homebrew app called P Rhythm. I think that's what it was called. And at the time I was like really into like French house music and stuff like Justice and like Daft Punk and all that. And so I wanted to make like French house music but I just didn't know how to use the app at the time. And I was like, I don't know how to put this stuff on a grid. And over time, I just kept learning and learning. And then I'll tell you right now, like the results weren't great. They were terrible. Like I would try to make a, a track and then I would just give up and just not save it. But you're basically only learning through that device. You're only using the device to to kind of make beats. And then little by little things are, you, you understand the technology a bit better and also how to build a beat basically yeah um you didn't would, do any pr research next to it trying to like or oh, youtube tutorials or nah man well the other thing was like nobody really knew about this app like mm. you would have the manual there was like a small forum or community for it but i didn't join it and i was honestly just like messing around to just try to have fun on that thing i wasn't trying to be serious about making beats i was like what, 2007, I was in seventh grade, what, like 12 or something at the time. Oh, wow, okay, that's young. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think the, the other big thing that was going on for me at the time was I was like just learning how to play the drums at, in a church. And so that kind of led me into the whole like making music on a PSP thing. But yeah, nothing good came out of it. Like I gave up on that after like maybe a year or two. And I was like, yeah, I'll just stick to just playing drums. That's a classic thing that happens a lot. You hear a lot of producers say that, and I think that goes with anything that people learn to do is that in the beginning, they're not very good at it. We're not very good at things that we start doing. Right. Today, I hear your music and I hear your flips and the instrumentals, and I hear a very professional producer with some great tracks that are, yeah, no, but you got to give people their flowers, right? I mean, right. You have you you've internationalized your music to the point that someone like me that lives in Berlin hears your music. You're from Chicago, so so there was obviously a long way there. And I'm wondering where's the day where you realize this is it? Like my beat is sounding good, and uh, people are reacting to it in the way that I want them to. Like, do you remember that day and the the instrumental? Yes, sir. I remember that day like it was yesterday, actually. Okay, maybe not like it was yesterday, but pretty close. <laughs> it was back in, I'd say like October 2019, I think. Before that. Selection. And 
Joe was like talking over one of my beats and he was like, it's my birthday. And then he stopped talking and he let the beat drop. And I was like, is this me? This is me. And then that was when I had realized, oh, (laughs) like people are actually listening out there. And that's not to discredit like everybody who supported me up until then. But it was like a big like validating moment. People are actually taking the time to go through my catalog. And it just felt, because before then, it it just felt like I was just kind of shooting my shot into the darkness. Like Maybe just as a side note, sorry, my bad, didn't want to cut you off. Just as a side note, Joe Joe is the founder of Selection. He's the founder, I think, right? Yeah, co-founder. Yeah. Co-founder and, and host. Selection is a LA-based music label, music collective, from what I remember or from what I know. I mean, obviously, people that are on SoundCloud quite a lot, they will uh, get a lot of Selection content. Very dope collective, very amazing artists on there. Always great music. So I can imagine that for you being featured on Selection, you being such a, yeah, such a SoundCloud artists soundcloud is obviously very different from spotify you you must have known about them and for you it must have been a dream to to be featured on their show i guess yeah i would say like the months leading up to that i was really or i'd say the mo- the year ish to the months leading up to that moment i was getting really dissatisfied with the stuff i was making personally i was happy with it because at the time jay dilla well still Jay Dilla was like such a big inspiration on the stuff that I do, like my bread and butter, boom bap, hip hop type beats and stuff, right? But it was attracting like the wrong crowd and people were getting like the wrong impression of what I did, especially because lo-fi, the the whole lo-fi hip hop tag came up. And so people were like, man, this is good lo-fi music. I'm going to gonna fall asleep to this and I was like I don't want you to fall asleep to it I want it to be engaging and so after that I really took like a deep dive into selection and I was like what makes these guys so charismatic I guess what makes these producers so great or these musicians so so great and talented. And I have a YouTube playlist. It's titled All in Caps. I want to be a selection producer. <laughs> it's just a bunch of YouTube tutorials. And that's where that whole foundation came in. And the more you you study the background of selection and the, the tracks that Joe picks, as corny as it is for me to say, they are timeless tracks. He digs all the way back into things like jazz and like 90s and 80s R&B. So I, I was like, I, I really got to take a really deep dive into all of this. So you did create a lot of your music around that time, also with, with the end goal of being featured on there. Do I yeah. understand that correctly? Yeah, I would say that was probably like the biggest form of validation <laughs> for me. I... I really thought of this more as a passion project. And I, at that point, I was like, you know what? Just trying to, trying to get my music on a selection would just put me on to so many people out there. And that would just be amazing to have 
people hear what I got and what I have to say. What did that do to your starting career, basically, in 2019? So you are featured on Selection. Can you tell me a little bit more about where this takes your career after that? Yeah, after that, like after getting that first track played. Oh, sorry, the, the track was Go For Broke. And it was like a Nipsey Hustle flip. But after that, sorry. Maybe just one thing. As a, no, good. Yeah. Because you just mentioned the word flip. And yeah. I find the word flip so interesting because flip, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not 100% sure about everything yeah. um, that I'm saying here all the time, but uh, especially when it comes to the SoundCloud content, flip is a word that I've come across SoundCloud a lot because producers flip tracks. In my understanding, that means it's like a remix, basically. You take a track of an artist, you've done that, I mean, a bunch of, a bunch of times, mostly all the time. And that's what, you, that's what you're known for as well, right? Your flips. Yep. And you basically put a new beat on the vocals of, a, of an artist. Let's say Destiny's Child has a track. You take the Destiny's Child track, produce a new beat, and use the Destiny's Child vocals on top of that beat to kind of create a new remix. You play around with the vocals a little bit in terms of the now I'm missing the words when you make them sound high pitched or you make them sound. Yeah. Maybe. How about I ask you, Ray, to describe what a flip <laughs> is in your own words because you're better at that than I am. Yeah. People are probably going to hate me for this too because maybe I have this wrong, but I use like flip and edit and remix like interchangeably because to some people, flipping can mean like you take a sample or a song and you sample it and you chop it up and everything. And I think that's mm -hmm. what a large majority of people think when they think flip, flipping a sample. But I just use it interchangeably with the word remix. And then for me, I try not to do anything to the original acapella or the original vocal track, except to try to get it in key with the beat that I've made. And so it's funny because sometimes I go into these these sessions and I make a beat. And then by the end of that, like two or three hours, I'm like, you know what would sound good on this? Some, some Destiny's Child or whatever. And then I put it on there just to see. And I, I'm just not even thinking about it seriously. And then I'm so like, you make oh! the beat. <laughs> yeah. So usually you make the beat first, yeah. you make the beat first, and then you think about what song or what artist would sound good on it. And you, yeah. tr you, tr you tr try it around. So when you, let's use some examples here, because I mean, you, you've, as we said, you've done a bunch of flips around that time you, you were featured on Selection, which I want to get into a bit more uh, in a second. But if we stay with the topic of flips, Genuine and Nas, I remember a flip that you did there around 2019, I think. I mean, you made so many tracks. <laughs> Maybe you don't, you don't remember that one. Yeah, that's, I think that was, that was like that 2019 Hold on, let me scroll all the way back. Where is that? I'm looking through my SoundCloud right now. <laughs> That's a deep cut, man. The can we talk about student loan debt one? <laughs> exactly, that one. Yeah. I, I mean, I had written that one down, but I mean, we could take any of your tracks and talk about it. But yeah. so when you hear the beats, you mentioned that the beat is always comes first for you. So you produce the beat and then you take a track like the one we just talked about or yeah. a song by Travis Scott or by Destiny's Child. And then you lay that on top of your instrumental, basically. That's the process all the time. Yeah, pretty much. I think that's the common thing that's happened to me the last three or four years where come up with a beat, 
And then it, it even might be like three quarters of the way through the process. And you, I start humming to myself and I go, oh yeah, that would work. And you slap it on, you, you try to match the keys as much as you can. And then once you have the keys matching, that's when I start playing with the structure of it. And I'm like, okay, this is the verse. I got to make this part sound like it's the chorus and make this part the verse again. So really it's like reimagining this is how I would produce for them. And if we go back to that day, your track is featured. You mentioned it's a Nipsey Hustle flip that is featured on Selection. Yeah. yeah, you were just about to describe a little bit how your career changed or started, or you've started making more connections in the music industry. Can you talk a little bit more about that, about where that brought you? Yeah, that was the first of many like tracks that got featured in the next like year and a half or so. And I remember at the time, because this also led until 2020 and the pandemic was just like in full effect. I had just graduated from grad school and there was like nothing to do. And so I was like, you know what? I think I can be like a full-time producer for now and just sit in my parents' parents' house in my own room, just like cranking out track after track every single week. And I was just so consistent with it at the time because there was nothing to do. And the more and more I would just like pump out stuff. And I'm not saying this is like a, qual a quantity over quality thing. It's just I happen to have a ton of free time to like refine everything. The more and more I just pumped stuff out, Joe was picking up on it. And I was like, this dude's like really watching. Like what? <laughs> like the amount of disbelief I was in every single time was incredible. And I was honestly like so humbled every time. And it just led to 2021 where he reaches out to me out of nowhere, like through an Instagram DM. And he just goes, Hey, would you be interested in taking over for episode 497? It's going to lead up to show 500 and everything. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I just I was in the parking lot at right after work and I get this DM. I'm like, what is happening right now? He's like, hey man, I've been playing your tracks every single week. It's only right that I do this. Of course I said yes. And I do also want to shout out, like, in between that time span, there were also a bunch of other DJs and sound selectors on SoundCloud who are also really trying to lift me up too. And so a lot of my other tracks would get some heavy rotation on like other shows. You have people like Complexion, who runs the Future Beats radio Future show. Future Beats, yeah. Yeah. You have people like Tay Hudson and Sav. Just a ton of people around the world and around the U.S. really just like converging on my SoundCloud <laughs> for a, a year and a half. <laughs> And how does that impact get, how do you feel that impact? How does that impact, what, what kind of mark does that impact leave on your SoundCloud, on your Instagram in terms of numbers or maybe people talking more and more about your music and tagging you in, in posts? Is there anything that you remember from that time where things started kind of popping off that, yeah, that, that were, I mean, that phone call, obviously crazy, but then afterwards that you felt like, well, I'm, something's really happening here. Yeah, I, I also think it kind of 
coincide. Well, to take it a step back, that radio show kind of coincided with a big project that I was doing at the time during the pandemic. And it's called What You Make It. And it was just me just like finally getting a chance to reach out to a bunch of artists in Chicago that I knew and really getting a chance to work together with them to come up with something cohesive. And I remember between that dropping and the selection takeover, those were like the two moments where I was like, this passion project of just making music, just enjoying it is really paying off. And like, I'm seeing the fruits of my labor. I'm seeing people enjoy it. I'm seeing people get connected by it. And I think one of the other big surreal moments was after that, in the summer of 2021, I, I met up with a bunch of people from the selection discord and we all just hung out at Joshua tree. And it was literally like two or three nights of just like DJ sets in an Airbnb because everybody there was a DJ except for me. So (laughs) (laughs) like people were just spinning stuff and it was the most surreal experience ever to just have people who also shared the same interests, just get connected Mm. by their love of music. So while all of that is happening and you are finding a place in music, you are also either you are already a doctor or you're in the final stages of studying medicine, from what I know. I would like to know how you balance these two, also especially in terms of making a decision, because I think we all know the story of wanting to take risks and going for something that is financially safe and then versus going with your passion, but not really sure how you can live off of that. So I was wondering how you made the decision, how you managed to balance these two. Man, that is a great question. And I'm going to start out by saying it is not easy. Uh, thankfully, I was able, I, I had enough free time to make music because, as you said, I was finishing up my doctorate degree in occupational therapy around like 2019, early 2020. And so the last couple months, all I had to do was just like write a paper. All my research had been done. It was a research paper. And so I would use making music to procrastinate from writing my paper. And then I would use writing my paper to procrastinate from making music. <laughs> and so it it really worked out at the time. And again, there's nothing better to do during the pandemic. But nowadays, now that I'm actually practicing, and for those who don't know, a quick description of OT is just how can we help you do things independently, like your day-to-day activities. So things like eating, dressing, going to the bathroom, stuff like that. The way I balance it out now is I just try to find like any sliver of time I can to just sit down, even if it's 30 minutes, even if it's like practicing guitar for 20 minutes or something. And I just kind of sit there for a little bit. And that's like the little meditative time I have. And then like Sunday or Saturday morning or something, that's when I really just sit down for two or three hours. But it's definitely a struggle sometimes. Why do you choose to not do it the other way around? What do you mean the other way around? The other way around in terms of you have your degree. I mean, obviously you need to work, but what is it a financial decision in the end? Is it a decision of time to not invest more time during your week into music? Because for me, it sounds like you are you have your daily job. You go there, it takes up most of your time during the day, but then you try to find these small pieces 
of time on a weekend or even on a late weeknight to do a little bit of music? Why, why is that the case? I think, and I've thought about that a lot before too, I think it's easy to, to make like your passion project feel like another job. And when you start thinking about it in like terms of, man, after I come home from work, I got to sit down one hour every day. I got to lock in. I got to do this. When you make it rigid, at least for me, it starts to feel more like a chore. And whenever I've kind of realized like the last couple of years, when I sit down and it's like a moment of like just focus, pure focus, no matter how short it is, I'm able to get much more joy out of it. And honestly, that's that's been something that I've been struggling with or I was struggling with the last year and a half was just trying to figure out that balance. I even... <laughs> There's a point in time where I asked my girlfriend, I was like, hey, make sure you call me every day to make sure I got an hour of making beats in. And then during that time of making beats for an hour, I'd be like, man, all this stuff is trash. And I, I just wouldn't be happy with anything that I did. But it probably wasn't really trash. You were just in that mind state, right? Or what, what do you think it was trash in the end? Or was it more like you weren't really feeling like, like doing that? A little bit making of music. A little bit of both. Mm. <laughs> if I pulled up like an Ableton project file from like those one hour sessions, it would literally be two track lanes, one with the drums and then one with me trying to figure out stuff on either the guitar or piano. And then it would be like a four bar or eight bar loop just repeated for an hour. And then I'd put my head in my hands, just be like, oh God. <laughs> And you think that was because you were trying to balance your day-to-day -day job with your passion for music and that kind of took away from your motivation to, to create something? Yeah, I would say that. And I, at least recently, I put way too many expectations on myself because once you get picked up by someone, no matter how big it is, if it's selection, if it's a major record label or something, you start getting recognized, your mind naturally starts to shift to what do people want to hear instead of what do I want to hear or what do I want to make instead of what do people want to listen to and associate with Omoyede. And I think that was like the big struggle between balancing, making time for music and also Balancing what I want versus what listeners want. How did you manage to do that? Honestly, I don't have a good answer for that. <laughs> uh, I think... It's a difficult question yeah. too, but... Yeah. yeah. But sometimes it's just the easy answer I think could be, I just go with what I want to do and I don't really care what people expect of me. And that, that's kind of an answer that you could give, yeah. but it's probably way deeper than that. And it's all good if you can't answer it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's what I like to think. Like, I, I try to tell myself that all the time. I'm making this stuff for me. And there are definitely tracks that I do that are definitely more for me that are still in the vault, to be honest. And I think 
the easy answer for me is if you look at my SoundCloud, that's where I make more stuff that's for everybody else. And if DJs want to pick up on it, play it in the club or something, that's cool. On Spotify, where I still just have like my one project and then like a bunch of instrumentals to my beats, I think that's like the more stuff for me part. And I can't say too much, but I I am working on something that's going to be more true to what I've been kind of feeling in the last like year and a half or so. Really looking forward to that. Maybe that's the most important thing to mention. Um, Really (laughs) looking forward to hearing that. When you say keeping things in the vault, I'm wondering what are the reasons for you to keep things in the vault? I think the biggest thing is I feel like the idea hasn't like fully materialized yet. And that could be for a number of reasons. Like maybe one time I'm just like not, I'm not technically proficient enough to play something because there, there's a track where it basically sounds like a D'Angelo B-side. There's a track where I'm just playing guitar and it's, literally like the same three chords going up and down the neck and then going back down. I'm like, I mean, this could use like a better guitar. Other times, it's just not up to my standards of what I want to make. I would say 0% of the time, though, I leave it... Like, I never leave something in the vault because I'm fearful of what other people will think if that makes any sense. I will always put stuff out on SoundCloud. Literally, the second I hit export, I'm like, upload to SoundCloud for a lot of those things. That's a really good thing you mentioned because I was wondering for you as an artist where the advantages and disadvantages are between using SoundCloud versus Spotify. Yeah. And you've kind of mentioned one thing is SoundCloud is kind of the thing you can, obviously there's a copyright issue. If you flip a Drake song, you can't really put that on Spotify. Yeah, You can put it on SoundCloud. I'm not sure why it's allowed on SoundCloud. I'm not really sure about the legal aspects of that. But you mentioned that you, you can freely create and freely put out on SoundCloud. You're more thoughtful of the things you put on Spotify, but maybe you have other advantages and disadvantages between the two platforms. Yeah, I I just think there's just like a lot of accessibility as a creator when it comes to like SoundCloud. Because again, you can just upload whatever. You don't have to go through this entire process going through DistroKid or Stem or uh, I forget any of the other platforms out there. But there's such a high barrier because you got to pay to upload stuff. With SoundCloud, it's anybody. Joe Schmo, my neighbor could upload something on SoundCloud right now. And they can just do it. And there, there's a tweet that Esta had a while ago. And he was just saying, like... Esta, yeah. uh, by the way, for the people that don't know, a very dope producer as well. I forgot where Esta's from. Uh, LA also, right? LA, yeah. He's from he's LA. From LA yeah. yeah. But he had the tweet a while ago. And he's like, yeah, man, SoundCloud, like, you can just upload whatever. Maybe it wasn't Esta, but somebody said it somewhere. You can just upload whatever. It's like a good launch pad testing ground to see where mm-hmm. listeners are at. And so, yeah, it just makes it easy. You've been doing this now for, let's say, I, I think 10 years. Yeah. Somewhere between. 
from starting on your PSP to really putting out some really great tracks. Um, so it's a it's it's been a while, and you we just talked about juggling your career as a musician with your career as a doctor. When we talk about the music career, are you where you want to be in your career at this time? What does your dream career in music look like, and where do you want to take this? Am I where I want to be in my music career? I would say yes and no. And I'll say yes because you have to be satisfied with where you are. Like at all, not satisfied, but you have to be at peace with where you are at all times. Even if it's, man, I'm in a, I'm in a really big creative block right now. You still have to appreciate those times because you know you're going to come out the other side like, all right, I'm going to be making some great stuff. It's just going to take a little bit to get through this block. And so the other half of that, the reason why I say no is because I know this is honestly still like the beginning for me. I would love to produce one day for people like Joyce Rice or like Devin Morrison or something like those would be great. And selection is such a great launch pad for that. And I do, in the future, want to be more, I want to be a better live musician. So I've been taking like guitar lessons lately. Shout out Kyle Paul. If you guys are looking for guitar lessons in the Chicago area, look them up. But just being a better live musician, because I think my dream from the start is always to just have like live band stuff and maybe sing. I've always joked that I've always wanted to be like Asian D'Angelo or something. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's. And I mean, you've done some covers on your Instagram and you've played the guitar on some occasions and sang. So you're on a good way there. So you're trying to do, to pursue this further and more seriously. Oh yeah. And I think the biggest thing that I have to remind myself of is just being able to like this, Balancing my work life and like my passion project has helped me understand like the importance of taking my time with this. I think a lot of people think of creative fields as like an easy way to get fame. And if you go into it with the wrong intentions, then you're going to just burn out really easily and get really frustrated really easily. And so I think for me, the biggest thing is just kind of going into this with no, no judgment on where I'm going to take things. <laughs> I don't know if that made any sense, but. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Just not really trying to think too hard on, I want to make it there. I want to win a Grammy. Of course, who, won't, who doesn't want to win a Grammy? But you just keep that in the back of your mind and you don't make it like the forefront thing. And you think about what are the small steps I can take getting there. So this brings me to my next question. And you've mentioned a couple of things already that I, that I think are great for other aspiring or, or aspiring musicians that are maybe just right now thinking to get started in the music industry. So if someone's tuning in right now, just doing that, about to follow their dream to become a musician, what are some of the advices you would give them? I would say the, the thing that I said earlier is even if you feel like you don't have time to, if you don't have an hour to practice something, 
take out like 30 minutes. If you don't have 30 minutes, take 10 minutes. Because even those small little chunks of you practicing or thinking about music or even like listening to music in general, all of those small experiences add up. And I think the the biggest thing I've learned, especially over the last year and a half, is to really just take your time. Because in the end, the music that you put out is going to be a representation of you. And people will call you out, especially when they know it's a quick, like it was a rushed release or something. And I think that's just the biggest thing is just taking your time with it. I mean, if I started seriously making beats and stuff in 20, what, 2014, 2015 in, a, <laughs> in college. And you just have to be persistent with it. Persistent, patient, and I think that'll get you half the way there. Do you have some artists in mind who might just be starting off who you believe deserve more attention that you want to shout out and mention? Yeah, I have one big one in mind and I think I think some people might know her already cuz she worked with Sango on this album, but I think it kind of got swept under all this stuff. She's from Brazil. Her name is Juniper and it's I've been really getting into a lot of the Brazilian I'm going to totally like butcher the the name of the genre like baile funk I think that's how I Yeah, this, it. the stuff that Sango is also really famous for, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so it's kind of like the stripped back like R&B funk, baile funk. Mm -hmm. So that project has been on repeat for me. And another person who's actually from Brazil, he's only put out like four tracks right now on SoundCloud, actually. I'm going to pronounce his name wrong, probably, but it is spelled X-A Preto, but I think it's pronounced because my girlfriend's Brazilian. She helped me say it. I think it's pronounced <laughs> Chá Preto. She's giving Chá me a Preto. thumbs up. There we go. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Chá Preto, and could you yeah. mention the uh, the artist from uh, that you mentioned before that? Yeah, Juniper and Chá Preto. Okay, yeah. we'll make sure that we there will be a playlist with this episode with, with this podcast, and we'll make sure to add some of your music and also of the artists that you've uh, mentioned in this episode. So, yeah, cool. Maybe to wrap this up, I have one last question that I I like to ask, and it's just very simple. Uh, what do you do it all for? What do I do it all for? Dang, that's a deep question. <laughs> it's very deep. <laughs> I think ultimately I do it for myself and not in a selfish way, even though that does sound selfish, but music is inherently a personal expression of yourself. And so if you're doing something If you're like trying to steal somebody's sound or something or trying to rip somebody's sound, and they'll know, hey, that is not authentic. The people will tell you. The listeners will tell you. And I think the other thing, too, is when I say I, I do it for myself, there's also a therapeutic part of the process of making music. 
Like, sure, there are times where I get frustrated and I'm sitting in front of the laptop and I'm like, damn, this sucks. But the reward of coming up with something that works after sitting for three or four hours, like the amount of dopamine that rushes to my brain is like incredible. It's, a, it's such a great feeling. And it like no matter how crappy the day is, if I come up with a good idea, I will consider that like a win in my book for the day. So yeah, just to tie that all back up, I do it for myself. That's awesome. With that, I want to say thank you so much for this conversation that I really enjoyed. Thanks for all the insights and for sharing your story with us. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank, thank you so much, Miles. Appreciate you. This was Unsigned Hype episode 6 with Omoi Day. The track you're hearing right now is called 312 and you will find the song in the Unsigned Hype podcast playlist along with all of the songs discussed in this episode. Make sure to support Omoi Day by checking out his music and following him on social media. And for your weekly Unsigned Hype, make sure to also follow us on Spotify and Instagram. All the links are in the show notes below. 